Pastor Xavier Reese says the hopping mad Pharaoh had only himself to blame. The plea of Pharaoh was, entreat the Lord Yahweh, that he may take away the frogs from my people. He acknowledges Yahweh here for the first time, notice. But it was only sorrow over consequences of his sin, not repentance. It was all up to Pharaoh how long he wanted to be in this misery and his people. It was all up to him. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time is described in the Urban Dictionary as a hip expression of the 1960s and 70s that advises you not to do something risky unless you're willing and able to accept the full weight of the consequences. And when Pharaoh decided to risk not heeding God's command through Moses to free the Israelites, consequences he did suffer, plagues of frogs, lice, and flies. Pastor Xavier is continuing our series in Exodus today in chapter 7. The message entitled, The Finger of God... On Egypt, the first plague has been poured out by God on the Nile River, turning it to blood. The fish have died. No one could drink the water anywhere in the land of Egypt. This was the first judgment on Egypt's gods. The Nile God, happy, the river of life, the embodiment of fertility. It provided all of their substance, fish, for irrigating their crops, uh, to bathe, to drink, you name it. Without the river, Egypt would be a parched desert. Then the heart of Pharaoh became even harder after the plague of the Nile, adding to his own hurt, thinking he could fight against God and win. Exodus 7.22, his heart became hard. It began by Pharaoh Declaring to Moses and Aaron, remember, who's the Lord that I should obey him? Revealing his heart of pride. Then Pharaoh's heart grew hard and obstinate after Aaron had uh, cast his rod to the ground and it turned into a serpent and his serpent devoured the two magicians' serpents in chapter 7, verse 13. God began from the beginning giving demonstration of his power and he kept rejecting it. There's always a danger, and we'll see this progression as we move on in the plagues. The hardening of Pharaoh's heart is a picture of and a potential of rebellion for every person to fight against God, which is really senseless in terms of a decision. He's never lost a battle. He has no equal. And so what we want to do is uh, look at the next three plagues God poured out on Egypt in judgment over God, revealing that they were powerless we begin in verse 25 of 7. That should be verse 1. And seven days passed after the Lord had struck the river. And the Lord spoke to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territories with frogs. So the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house and your bedrooms and your bed and the house of your servants, your people, into your ovens, into your kneeling bowls. And the frogs came forth upon you and your people and all your servants. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand uh, with your rod 
over the streams, over the rivers and the ponds and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched forth his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the the honor of saying, When I shall intercede for you, for your servants, for your people, to destroy the frogs from uh, you and your houses, that they may remain in the river only. And so he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Let it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from you and your houses and your servants and from the people, and they shall remain in the river only. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord concerning the frogs and that he had brought up against Pharaoh. And so the Lord did according to the words of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courtyards, and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was uh, relief, he hardened his heart and did not heed them as the Lord had said. And so the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land, so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with the rod, and he struck the dust of the earth, and it became lice on man and beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, the magicians so worked with the enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice and man and beast. And then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not let them go. He didn't heed them, just as the Lord had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. And say to him, Thus saith the Lord God, let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people, and the houses, and the house of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground on which they stand. And in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarm of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. And I will make a difference between my people and your people tomorrow. This sign shall be. And the Lord did so. Thick swarms of flies came into the house of the Pharaoh, into the servant's house and all the land of Egypt. And the land was corrupted because of the swarms of flies. And then Pharaoh cried for Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not right to do so. For we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God if we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes. Then they would stone us. We will go a three-day journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he will command us. And so Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far. Intercede for me. And Moses said, Indeed, I am going out from you, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart tomorrow and Pharaoh from his servants and his people. But let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. And so Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses to remove the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. Not one remained, but Pharaoh 
hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. These three next plagues are poured out by God again. Judge the gods of the Egyptians, revealing that they are powerless. The first is the plague of frogs, the second the plague of lice, and the third is the plague of flies. Notice in verse 25 of the end of chapter 7, that is the correct division. Uh, The Lord commissioned Moses to present himself before Pharaoh here. The command came um, to Moses seven days, it says there, after God had struck the Nile to turn into blood. This does not mean that it lasted seven days, some people think. That's the time when when he struck it. And that would be long enough for Pharaoh to think about it and to reflect upon this judgment and everything. And yet we know his heart was hard and it would continue to do so. The prophet Moses, notice in verse 1, was to present himself before Pharaoh. And the authority, once again, is Yahweh. Go and tell Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord. And this is the way the prophet always went, in his own, not in his own authority. And the message hasn't changed. Listen to it. Let my people go, that they may serve me. It will never change until he lets them go. This is the fifth time Pharaoh has heard this command. Five times. How often people hear God dealing with them over and over again. And we think that God is a man like us. And that we can kind of scorn him. He will hear it four more times, by the way. Notice in verse 2 and 3, the Pharaoh is warned for the first time about not obeying Yahweh. This is the first warning. The consequence would be a second judgment on Egypt. Listen to verse 2. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territories with frogs. The frogs were sacred. One of the gods of Egypt, having life power, fertility. The frog goddess was called Heket. Young frog in tadpoles were used in hieroglyphics, and they've been found to express the number 100,000. And the, the Egyptians believed in the afterlife very much, so they poured all this life into that one. And we should learn from them. They had a false hope. We have the true hope. And sometimes we are not as committed. Notice in verse 3, the plague judgment would be directed on the people. The frogs would come in abundance, meaning teeming, swarming, the same thing that is in Genesis, teeming, swarming in the waters. I mean, these are not normal things. When you read commentaries that tell you, well, this was the, the, there always were times when these, no, they're not natural. These are supernatural, miraculous plagues. These are judgments. When those commentaries throw them away. The severity and intensity of the plague would mark the divine judgment, quite different from the normal frog population. And as these plagues come, they become more severe, more intense, as in the book of Revelation. During the Great Tribulation, there's a great parallel. That'd be a good study to do one of these times. Notice the frogs would infest all the communities and the dwellings of the Egyptians. So not just outside. They would be in Pharaoh's house, in his bedroom, on his bed, on the house of Pharaoh's servants, on Pharaoh's people, their ovens, their their kneeling bowls. So here you're cooking, you're going to make some bread, and a couple of three frogs jump in there, and you got to be careful, you got to resuscitate them, because they're your little god, you can't kill them. It's amazing. See, look, look at Hinduism. They're afraid to eat that cow. It might be their great-grandma. <laughs> or their second cousin. And they're starved to death. They feed rats. Because they have a corrupted worldview. Not a view that there's a creator, that he's given everything to be nourished. And you understand? 
makes a big difference. The summary statement is in verse 4, and the frog shall come upon you and your people and all your servants. Now notice verse 5 through 7, the Lord commissioned Moses to execute the plague of frogs. The particular areas are listed, very specific, over the streams, the rivers, and the ponds. The purpose is given, cause the frogs to come upon the land of Egypt. And the order was obeyed by Aaron there in verse 6. The frogs came up, they covered the land of Egypt. The Egyptian magicians, for the second time, duplicated the miracles with their enchantments. They brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. Well, how foolish is that? This is judgment. If you really have power, if you really were more powerful than God, then you would reverse it, right? The presence of a real miracle verifies the activity of God. And the presence of counterfeit miracles only authenticates the original gift, who is God. If you're going to have counterfeits, they're evidence of an original somewhere. There's only one original. God is still in the business of doing miracles. Therefore, Satan's still in the business of doing imitations. The Pharaoh summoned Moses to um, intercede for him. So the, the, the heat's coming on. The Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron for the first time. Mark it well. They couldn't kill their little gods. <laughs> the plea of Pharaoh was, Entreat the Lord Yahweh, that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people. He acknowledges Yahweh here for the first time, notice. But it was only sorrow over consequences of his sin, not repentance. The offer was to let them go, sacrifice to the Lord Yahweh. So Pharaoh, he's a con artist. Pharaoh was being false. He's being false. Look at 9. The prophet Moses conceded to Pharaoh's request. Moses gave Pharaoh the honor of telling him when to intercede for him, his servants and his people. Okay, you tell me when. It was all up to Pharaoh how long he wanted to be in this misery and his people. It was all up to him. How many times as a parent you tell your child, it's up to you when you come out of your room. It's up to you when you get off restriction. (laughs) You can be there all year long if you want. It's up to you. Notice it's still in 9. Moses stated the specific petition of his prayer to destroy the frog from Pharaoh and the Egyptian cells that they remain only in the river. Very specific. This is not coincidence happening, Pharaoh. Listen very carefully to what I'm saying. They would prove to Pharaoh that Yahweh was all powerful as a creator. He even controls these little creatures <laughs> that are his creation, not God's. Able not only to destroy the frogs, but to command and control them by confining them to the river. See, God has no problem killing animals. Because animals are for us, you understand? They're not people. So many people put more value on animal life than human life today. It's ridiculous. It's a carryover from the evolutionary philosophy that we're nothing but animals, uh, Accident, chance factor from mud and googly stuff, and here we go. Notice in verse 10, the Pharaoh gave the answer to Moses. Get ready for it. When? Tomorrow. 
He could have said right now. Unrepentant people rather live one more day in misery than to repent. How often have you talked to them? Listen, you know, if you turn, yeah, I know right now, but right now I can't, you know, I can't. right now I'm hooked up with this really good looking chick. You know, we just started living together. You know, I'm not ready right now. Or, you know, I just got a job over here. You know, I'm a bartender. I can't, you know, if I do, then I can't. Tomorrow, tomorrow. Well, who knows whether you'll be here tomorrow or not. The prophet Moses told Pharaoh it would be according to his words that he may know that there is only one like the Lord Yahweh God. No one else. Remember Pharaoh in his first meeting. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? Chapter 5, verse 2. Well, he's starting to get to know who the Lord is. But in the wrong way. Now Pharaoh is beginning to know Yahweh by experience. The only existing one. Notice in verse 11, the prophet Moses assured Pharaoh the frogs would be removed from the homes and confined only to the river. Now, he repeats this for emphasis, lest Pharaoh think it's a coincidence, not a miracle. But he also repeats it for you and I who would read a generation's Many times. When you go to the Old Testament and it's repetition and you think it's boring, it's not to bore you. It's to let you know that God said what he meant and he meant what he said. So he said it three or four different ways so that you don't try to explain it away thinking it's just normal things. You understand? We're good at that. Verse 12 through 14, notice then God, the God of the Hebrews, removes the frogs. In 12, Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, cried out to the Lord Yahweh concerning the frogs he had brought, listen, against Pharaoh. Yahweh was responsible for the frogs, not Moses and Aaron. And it was directly against Pharaoh. He is the head of the nation. He is the Pharaoh. He is the top God. Verse 13, the Lord Yahweh heard the answer of Moses. He hears his prayer and he answers it. The Lord did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died of the houses, out of the courtyards, and out of the fields. Just exactly as he said. Another evidence. God is so patient. You know, God could have taken the children of Israel out of Egypt as soon as he sent Moses there. You know that, right? He didn't have to go through this stuff. He already knew that Pharaoh would never repent. So he could have said, forget him. We're out of here. He didn't. So that no one could ever charge God that he didn't give opportunity. Give opportunity after opportunity. Let me tell you, this is an example. Whenever you think God has been unjust, you're wrong. When someone perishes, it's after long patience, much evidence, many opportunities. Verse 14 and 15, the Pharaoh went back on his word. The frogs were all gathered in heaps. The land stank. The word stank means to become odious, a foul odor. You can only imagine the stench of the first being the blood from the Nile, and now it's on the frogs. Now they're piled up. They're rotting probably. It's one thing after another, and it's just getting worse. Here they have their stinking gods, stinking the place up. What a shame that your gods become a hurt to you. Notice now, the temporary relief caused Pharaoh to renege on his word to Moses in verse 15. Once he observed some reprieve, he hardened his heart and did not heed them. Once again, it was just as the Lord Yahweh had declared. So, and this is the beauty of it. This is faith and, and, and strength and confidence for Moses and Aaron and everybody because God said what was going to happen, it happened. 
Very important. I notice this is the third time Pharaoh hardened his heart. The word harden is kabad. To make dull, heavy, obstinate. The proudful heart. It's by his own doing, by the way. It appears six times regarding Pharaoh. It's two different forms. This one's kabad. The other one's kabed. Only one letter difference. But it's his own doing. We will get to the place where it says God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. That's a different word. And the indication that God did it, he just strengthened his decision. But not until Pharaoh kept hardening his heart. You understand against all the evidence. Very important. You remember Daniel, he interpreted the dream for Nebuchadnezzar that had kind of freaked him out that night. And he told him the dream. And then at the end, Nebuchadnezzar said, oh, don't worry about it, Daniel. We'll be fine. He says, no, no, no. He says, therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins from, by being righteous. And your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. But his pride blinded him. At the end of 12 months, he was walking in his royal palace of Babylon. And he was speaking to himself. And he said, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling for, by my mighty power and by the honor of my majesty? And while the words were still in his mouth... A voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like an ox, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdoms of men and gives it to whoever he wills. Daniel four twenty-seven to 32 Wow. This is historical. We can verify that. We have the record of the Bible. Pride. There are people that are warned about the Lord Jesus Christ and how he's going to judge all of mankind, but they just shrug it off. Some argue that it's illogical to think that there is one supreme God that created everything, especially after 40 years of the evolutionary hypotheses. Others, through their reasoning, explain God away. And once they've explained it away, they're, they're just good with that. Now, God does not exist anymore. They've done away with God. And still others play with the things of God, thinking God is just a man just like them. That's a great mistake. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool has said in his heart, No God. doesn't even say there is. No God. If you ever study the Psalms and the Scriptures, the question of being no God doesn't come in until about the time of David. You don't find it before that because everybody knew there was a God. But they got so far removed from God, then men started going into polytheism and everything else. Now notice that there are also people who call Christians only when they are in trouble. They listen to you, all you have to share about the Lord and the gospel. They're very attentive, and it appears that they're grateful. And they even ask you to pray. Seems they're making progress, and all of a sudden, once the problems are solved or the consequences are over, they're back to the same old tricks. It reveals their hard hearts, pride. But after a while, sin begins to stink, just like the frogs. It becomes intolerable. What began as fun, now it's a heavy weight. Hmm. Hosea says, they sow to the wind, they reap the whirlwind, Hosea 8, 7. 
And it really doesn't take too much sowing today. And you always get a bumper crop much more than you put out. Pastor Xavier Reese, using the example of the hard-hearted Pharaoh from the book of Exodus to once again illustrate the simple truth that you will indeed reap what you sow. And there's much more of this message to come next time. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply The Finger of God on Egypt. It's available on CD for just $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is The Finger of God on Egypt. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com